welcome to Speaking of College. Welcome, it's your source for reliable knowledge. Oh yeah, we got Dr. P as your host. As your host, we gon' tell you what you need to know. Need to know. Need to know. The more you know, the more you grow. The more you grow. The more you know, the more you grow. Grow. Get more knowledge. Knowledge. Welcome to Speaking of College. Speaking of College. Yeah. Welcome to Speaking of College, your source for reliable answers to college-related questions. I'm your host, Amelia Parnell, and today's episode is really special to me because I'm talking with my good friend, Dr. Arante Bennett. Arante is a tenured marketing professor at Villanova University, and I wanted to get her expert tips for how students can form good relationships with their professors. This episode is special to me because during the outtakes, Arante and I had a great time reminiscing about our experiences at Florida A&M University. We met and became friends long before we had established careers, and I'm so proud to see all that she's been able to accomplish. Not only is she an exceptional professional, but she is genuinely one of the nicest and most thoughtful people I know, and you'll hear her intentionality and desire to help during our conversation. So to have her on my show was a real joy, personally and professionally. And I can tell you now that if you listen through to the end, you'll hear Ronte share some gems of advice. And I mean the kind of practical tips that I wish I had when I was in college. During the break, I'll tell you about how you may be able to get college credit for some of the work you've done in previous jobs. And at the end of the episode, I'll answer a really good question about how to deal with homesickness. Now let's get into the show. Welcome back to Speaking of College your source for reliable answers to college-related questions. I'm your host, Amelia Parnell, and today's episode is all about college professors. For some students, simply using the word professor instead of teacher to refer to the person leading your class is a signal that college classes just don't quite operate the same as in high school. But the good news is that that difference is manageable, and today's episode will give you an expert's advice about how to connect with your professors. So it's time for me to introduce my guest today, my friend, Dr. Arante Bennett. Arante is Associate Professor of Marketing and the Assistant Department Chair of the Marketing and Business Law Department at Villanova University School of Business. Arante offers courses on market research and consumer behavior, and her research focuses on marketplace access, vulnerable consumers, and brand image. Her work has been published in the Journal of Consumer Psychology, the Journal of Public Policy and Marketing, and the International Marketing Review. When Arante is away from the Villanova campus, she's involved in several local charities, including her current service as president of the Junior League of Philadelphia, a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to training women volunteers and leaders. Arante holds a Bachelor of Science degree and Master of Business Administration from Florida a University and a PhD from New York University. On a personal note, Arante enjoys visiting new restaurants, attempting to cultivate her green thumb, and international travel. Arante, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Amelia. I'm happy to be here today. I'm so excited for this conversation. So every episode starts with me asking my guests the same first question. Now, you already have your FAMU sweater on, so we know where you went to undergrad. I already said that. That's where we met. And uh, I got to start back from the beginning. So take us back to when you were in your first year, first semester, and thinking about where you wanted to go. What were some of the factors that you used to choose Florida A&M? So, you know, um, I wish I had a really well-crafted story for how I got to FAMU, um, but I don't. It was a bit of serendipity, a lot of luck, and um, just kind of waywardness. I am atypical in that um, I'm a bit of an odd first-generation student. My mother and I were in college simultaneously. Since I was applying, she was completing her degree. 
And what that meant was that although she had a little bit of understanding of how the landscape worked, she didn't really have enough information about the whole process, particularly for a residential student um, to help me figure out where to apply to school. But one day, one of her friend, one of her dear friends and classmates called up and told us that FAMU was hosting a college fair um, before a big game. This game I now know is called the Atlanta Classic. Um, and it was during a school day for me in high school. And my mom gave me permission to skip school and go to this fair. We went to the fair and the then president, Dr. Frederick Humphreys was there. And he offered students scholarships on the spot if they had a high enough GPA and standardized test score. And so I got a scholarship and I was excited, but I applied to a few other schools. And when it came down to it, I chose FAM for a variety of reasons. First, it was out of state. So it was enough distance to me and my family. <laughs> We're not too far away to add. Um, second, it was not just affordable, but affordable plus a stipend. And FAM also offered an internship guarantee during the summer. So it felt like a very stable choice. And then third, I didn't know, but came to realize, came to realize it was a historically black college um, and university. Well, that's university, not college at university. Um, and those three things combined made for a really compelling case. And so fast forward, I guess, eight, nine months, and I find myself on the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee. Arante, as long as we've been friends, I never knew that. I never, your mom is cool having met her. I did not know the story. And it makes me just really appreciate uh, having you on the guest, as a guest on the show even more. So uh, you've had quite a journey. So you finished, yes. obviously, at FAMU, went on to get a PhD from New York University. And marketing is your specialty. And so I can imagine you spending a lot of time, of course, in the classroom, teaching classes and things like that, but then also watching market trends. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation about connecting with professors. But just to set the stage for those who are listening, uh, I know that when we're in you know, kindergarten through 12th grade, we see teacher. We see that person in the classroom who is grading papers and they may have a small window of time when they're not actually with students. But when you get on a college campus, talking to professors and spending time around them looks very different. So I know you can't speak for all college professors and all college professors on all campuses, but what's a typical week like for you? What do you find yourself doing day to day? And when students pass by your office, what, what are you actually working on? That is a great question. When I think back to college me, I had no idea what faculty did besides teach class. Um, and even junior faculty me didn't really have a firm grasp on what it meant to be um, a teacher in the college space. And so what I've come to realize is that there are three major components of my job. And the one everyone sees is teaching. So I spend um, a large portion of my day preparing for class, delivering lectures, grading papers, and hosting office hours. But I only have class twice a week. So you might think that means I have three free days to do mm -hmm. whatever I want. <laughs> That's not true. Um, faculty also usually have two other major responsibilities, service and research. Service is my commitment to Villanova's campus and our School of Business, but also the marketing academic structure in general. So on our campus, I belong to Faculty Congress. I am our Faculty Director of Diversity and Inclusion. I um, I sit on our Center for Marketing and Consumer Insights Advisory Board. 
And in all of those roles, I spend an hour or two, maybe three or four a week, either attending meetings or um, executing a plan, hosting an event. And then when I'm done with all those things, I have time for my research. And my research is um, the, the motor really behind my academic career. So professors sometimes do research, sometimes they don't, but when they do, they are expected to produce these journal articles on a regular occasion. And journal articles aren't like magazine articles. They don't just get published after I write them. I have to mm -hmm. write them, um, well, conceive them, conceive of them, and then do the background research. Sometimes it requires doing experiments, either psychological or do survey, and then write them up. And by write up, I mean write up 40 pages of, of, of article. And then I submit it to a journal. And the journal sends it off to three strangers. And I never know who they are. And they write back and tell me how um, horrible my work was <laughs> and how I should revisit it and try again. And if I'm lucky, I get to write it over and resubmit it. If I'm unlucky, I start from scratch and go to a different journal. But that process is really, really time consuming. And although it's not a structural part of my week, it fills in all the gaps. So I can easily put in a 40, day, a 40 hour work week, sometimes 60 hours, just depending on what's going on, either a teaching service or a paper. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for breaking all of that down. And so if uh, those listening happen to pass by their professor's office and it looks like they're just sitting there, they are writing or doing some type of service or something else. So go by and just say thank you to your local professor, you know, if you have time. So in addition to the classroom teaching portions, you mentioned service, you mentioned research. Uh, research and service might be more disconnected from students. And so one might assume that you only engage with students when you're teaching, but I feel like that's not the case. And so uh, what are some additional ways that you actually connect with students in addition to just teaching when you're in the classroom? There are so many touch points. And I think it probably varies by institution and by faculty. But in particular, Villanova is a mid-sized university. We have about 7,000 undergraduate students and we have a really low faculty to student ratio. So our average class has about 25 students in it. And we are expected to know students by their first names and generally speaking, have a loose understanding of their backgrounds, right? And this allows us as faculty to have um, more insight into students' needs and to be able to better better um, tailor our lectures and our approach to our lectures for our students that we're teaching that particular day. So outside of class, there's always office hours and that's when I have an open schedule um, that's blocked off and students can come in at their own leisure, no appointment required, just come in and talk to me about class or about life or about career or anything else. And that's kind of class adjacent, but outside of class entirely, there is, um, there are lots of ways I interact with students. So first off, I, um, I was, and I just recently resigned from being the advisor for student society. And as the advisor, my goal, my role included helping them plan the major events, helping them navigate through the bureaucracy of, of the campus and making sure that they were reaching their goals as a society. Separate from that, I am also um, currently involved in our diversity and equity and inclusion efforts on campus. So I often sit down with students to understand their experiences and 
to try to figure out how faculty and staff can better create an environment that's welcoming to all students. And then third, and I think a little bit more personal, there are students who I've come to know um, more closely than others. And those students and I stay in touch for years. So just yesterday, I got an email from a student who I worked with years ago, just saying hi and checking on me and seeing how things are going during the pandemic. And so sometimes there are long-term um, involvements between students and faculty, it's not just a short-term, but you can definitely see faculty outside of class. And when you do, you should say hi because they're happy to see you as well. And it's those outside of the classroom experiences that help forge a, a stronger relationship. Oh, so that's a perfect segue to my next question. So um, speaking of research, there's all, all kinds of research out there that suggests that the students who try to form an intentional connection with their professor actually have better success rates. Now, success could be defined by a lot of things. Some might say they're more likely to graduate or they're more likely to make more friends and um, be more exposed to opportunities and things like that. Uh, but Imagine if you are being asked to create a campaign, you know, your marketing expert here and your audience is probably a group of students who maybe have not thought of that as the highest priority on their list. Why should they prioritize going to get to know one of their professors? What's in it for them? You know, what are the, what are the selling points? How would you hook them in that idea? This is so easy to sell, right? Imagine if you would, there's someone in your class who you've never, ever spoken to before, right? One of your classmates, you've never spoken to them before, you know them, you see them you interact in class, you don't have any outside of class interactions, no connection whatsoever. And then they come to you on the Thursday before a test and ask for your notes. How inclined are you to want to be of assistance, right? Mm -hmm. And so faculty always want to help, but it's a whole lot easier to ask someone for help if you've already spoken to them in a more informal capacity before. And so when students um, are hesitant to talk to faculty outside of class, I remind them that relationships are how you get, how you advance in the world, right? It's through those personal connections that you're able to um, find a little bit of an advantage in, in any space, including academia. Um, I think about myself as a student and I don't recall ever going to office hours and I really wish I had, for so many reasons, I struggled through my accounting classes, mm -hmm. struggled. And literally just flat out failed one finance test. I just failed it, I bombed it. And I look back and I think about all of the hours I struggled through my own notes, trying to understand a concept. When I could have just gone to the faculty member themselves, the professor, and asked for help. And that would have done so many things. It would have one saved me who knows how many hours of my weeks. <laughs> but secondly, it would have helped that faculty member understand that I was serious and that I was trying. And so if there was ever a moment where they had any discretion in, um, in my grading, if there was a moment where I was on a cusp of something, it might be that that connection would help change the balance of my cusp, tilting me toward positive versus more negative. And I just didn't know that. I had no clue. And I look back and I really wish I did. But there was one moment when I did have the advantage of having a connection. So after graduation, I didn't have a plan for my, my life after I finished <laughs> college. 
I don't know how I got to that point, but I hadn't applied to jobs. I had no plan for where I was going to do after college. And there was a very popular internship offered at that time um, for students, but I was a graduate. So I went to our internship office and talked to a woman, Professor Corbett was her name. I talked to her about taking this internship and because she and I had an established connection, she was willing to accommodate my exceptional request. And that internship then turned into the impetus for me becoming a professor. And so I needed her to help me. And I suspect she helped me because she knew me already. And we established a, a, a rapport outside of me in that moment asking her for a favor. I think you sold it. If anybody is listening to this episode now, we haven't even gotten to the Ask the Expert section, but if anybody's wondering why they should do it, I don't know that you can sell it better than that. I think we just package it all up and put that clip of the video out there. So uh, just to make it personal on my end, I would say plus one to everything that you said. And I think as a researcher on my end about the reasons why students say that college was worth it, a lot of them use the word social capital, the idea that by meeting people and forming a network, that it actually serves them well beyond when they finish college. And so I would agree to, to all of those assertions. I can say personally that, uh, you know, me being a little bit, I can admit, uh, headstrong and, uh, you know, independent in my pursuit of things that I want. I went to college, graduated college, and never actually formed a mentor um, relationship with any of my professors. Never actually went to office hours, maybe more than once like you. And it wasn't until my doc work that I actually did take the time to get to know one of my professors, who now is my mentor. And I, I've heard this difference between mentorship and sponsorship. So mentorship is the idea that there's someone who can give you advice when you need it. Um, but sometimes mentors turn into sponsors. They can actually open doors for you and get you into rooms that you otherwise wouldn't have even known existed, let alone be able to be a part of it. So uh, I have something funny to tell you. When I was in uh, undergrad at FAMU, around the same time as you, I wanted to get an internship and, and just ask a random professor that I had had probably two semesters before if he would write a letter of recommendation for me. And he said, sure, send me your resume. And I said, pardon? He said, send me your resume. He said, basically, I, I don't remember you. He, and he didn't say it in a mean way, but he was really saying, I'm happy to help you, but is there something about you that I should know that I could I could speak to? And it became obvious that I really had not formed the relationship. Now, you think that that was the prompting moment that I should have then gone back to say, thank you for the letter and get to know him. I did not. And so, you know, the story doesn't really end on the, the positive note until I got to graduate school. Um, so you mentioned office hours, and that's going to be a topic of the Ask the Expert section, which is coming up next. But let's take a break. And then when we come back, I'll put you in the hot seat, Arante, and go beyond just settling the case for why students should be connected to professors, but actually get into some tips for those students who believe now that they should do it, what should be the steps that they should take. So let's go to the break. When we come back, Arante, I got the Ask the Expert section. Did you know that if you've worked and gained certain practical experiences, you may be able to get college credit for the knowledge you acquired? Here's how it could work. In certain situations, some of the things you may have learned during your on-the-job experiences before college are closely aligned to what you'd be studying in college. So there may be a chance that you can accelerate your pursuit of credit if your college will recognize the learning that you acquired before college. It's not guaranteed, but you certainly have nothing to lose by trying. If this sounds like something that could benefit you, talk to your academic advisor about prior learning assessment. Now you know. All right, welcome back. Arante, are you ready for the Ask the Expert section? 
I think I'm ready. I think I'm an expert. We'll see. All right. So you mentioned office hours a couple times. And uh, for college students who, even though they've heard you make the case, might still be a little nervous about the idea of just kind of cold calling, walking into a professor's office and saying, hey, can we talk? What do you think are maybe one or two things that could help a student get more comfortable with the idea of forming that relationship and doing so by going by during office hours? You know, it's it's hard to call, call anyone, right? And no matter what your age or profession. So I can totally understand why students might be a bit hesitant to just stop in. I think that there are two types of faculty, two types of professors with office hours. There are those who are um, open and available at scheduled times, where you can just stop by, it's a free for all. And then those who have to schedule. And let's talk first about those who just stop by. Um, because that is a little bit um, unstructured and people might feel like they're imposing upon someone. They just stop mm -hmm. by unannounced because, you know, we were all taught that you don't go to someone's house unannounced. And we often think that offices operate the same way. You can't just show, show up unannounced. But when faculty say they have office hours, they have blocked their calendar and they're going to be in their office for that period of time and available to students who have questions. And if students don't come, the professor will find other things to do. They'll do research or they'll do service, but they'll be in their office during that time. And this is an invaluable resource for students, right? But how do you get the, the nerve up to show up and say hi? It right. could be a small incremental process. So you start by lingering after class, making small talk, right? And that should kind of build a bridge of connection. And, and that could be the way you get more comfortable in having these interactions. And as that bridge begins to grow and as you and that professor become better acquainted, just do small talk before or after class, then maybe you'll feel a little less intimidated to go by during office hours. Another approach might be, instead of just showing up that makes you uncomfortable, you can give the professor a heads up and say, you know, I know you have office hours tomorrow from 10 to 12. Can I stop by at 11? Mm -hmm. That way you don't feel like you're imposing upon someone. Now, when faculty have by request only office hours, that tends to remove the social awkwardness because you can put in a request and you know they're expecting you and you know that they are ready to, to host you in their office. Um, but the, the former version, the version when we have open office hours, that's intended to make students feel comfortable, intended to say, you know what, if you're nearby, just yeah. step on in. doesn't require an appointment. You don't have to be here for a half an hour. You can be five minutes for 25 minutes. doesn't matter. I'm here and I'm ready for you. I, though, I, I recognize that students don't always interpret it that way. They sometimes think that it's a lot more formal than that. Office hours can be really, really informal and they can be used to talk about class or if you like sometimes not class topics, like other things in the major or on campus or even in your career. So office hours have many, many, many uses. You have dropped some gems. Okay, so I was already trying to frame the question as the cold call when in fact a warm intro hanging around after class could actually get it done. So thank you for that. Now I want to go to an even harder question. I want to ask you for the secret sauce or at least a portion of the secret sauce. And what I mean by that is it's obvious that in your tenure, uh, you know, as a professor, you have probably graded countless papers and you have taught countless students in your classes. 
Are there certain things that successful students do in the classroom, maybe in connection to uh, getting to know you or coming to office hours? That might be one thing. But are there other special things that you, in your time, having been in the classroom for as long as you have, continuously see students who are successful do? And if so, what are some of those things? You know, I think the, the one thing that is consistent across my students who have been successful is that they are intent, they are attentive and engaged during class. So they're not on their phones, they're not looking out the window, they're not sitting there quietly and passively, they are actively engaged in the conversation. And this engagement, I believe, creates strong memories of the content. So it's easy to recall content you've been talking about actively rather than content you've received passively by just listening. Mm-hmm. So my most successful students are the ones who are engaged in class, who raise their hand, who ask questions, who answer my questions, the ones who um, come to class prepared, they've read the materials. And so then class for them is an opportunity to develop a deeper knowledge. Whereas students who come to class unprepared and who are not involved have to learn everything in the moment and they, quite dig any deeper. They have a very superficial understanding based purely on on the lecture. And those who come to class prepared and who are engaged can dig much deeper and develop a stronger understanding of the concepts. And that strength of understanding carries through to testing and to the assignments and overall into their grades. I see what you mean. Uh, So I think this is a nice segue into my next question, going even farther down. So you've told us what some of the secret things they do are. And I can see someone listening saying, okay, I guess I'm a student. I'm supposed to come prepare for class. What if they're looking for a resource? Is there a particular resource or option or something that you know is very helpful to students in the classroom or outside the classroom, but that you don't really hear a lot of students talk about or you don't think that many students avail themselves of? If so, what might that resource be? So, you know, I think I'm going to offer up three different resources. Oh, you do have some. Okay. (laughs) I have a few of them in my back pocket that I often encourage students to use. When it comes to um, doing assignments, particularly research papers or um, higher level coursework, you cannot, I repeat, you cannot undervalue your librarians. Your campus librarian knows so much stuff. And if your campus is like my campus, you have librarians for all the different disciplines. We mm-hmm. have a business school librarian. And if a student goes to her and says, hi, Linda, I need to understand about the size of the market for coffee in the United States. And Linda says, okay, she won't tell you the size. She won't tell you the size. She'll point you to a, she'll point you to a database where you can find that information. And so you save yourself then hours of digging through random Google searching for a verifiable, actual, factual source. And then once you understand the fundamentals, you can then begin to write. Which brings me to my next point, writing. Many of us um, aren't exceptional writers. And sometimes we end up submitting work that is though well conceptualized, not well written. Mm-hmm. And because our thoughts don't really translate into our writing, we might not get the grade we think we earned, we get a brilliant idea. 
but we didn't say it well enough. And whoever's grading it doesn't get the, our, our, they don't get our brilliance, it doesn't shine through. So going to the writing lab or to a writing tutor or anyone who'll help you figure out how to write. And writing, the type of writing required varies by class. It can be persuasive writing or business writing or research writing. And those are all very distinct skills and very few of us have all three of them innately. So you probably should avail yourself of the writing lab. And then lastly, outside of class, for just your career in general, your, your collegiate career, go to the Career Center before your last semester on campus. Mm -hmm. Career Center on day one, right? If you go there on day one, you can figure out how to generate a network of opportunities, both on campus and off, that might create some options for you that other students don't have, either for internships or for conferences or for permanent placement. Right. And it's because you know people in the Career Center that you're able to forge these connections or get invited to private events where only a handful of students are invited to meet an executive. So I think those three things in combination kind of create, they, they allow for success in many ways across campus while you're there and then when you're going on to your professional career. Arante. I think that's, I mean, you nailed it. So at this point, I don't know how many more tips we could give somebody. You have dropped some gems. I have to say you are spot on with all of those. I do a lot of speaking and writing about what makes college students successful. And oftentimes it touches on either their uh, social development, their academic development, their financial concerns, um, their career aspirations, and all of those suggestions you just gave pretty much weave throughout all of those. And so it's almost like you gave us the first page of the blueprint and uh, we should coin this. So, you know, Dr. Bennett said it first, said it best, but thank you for these gems. Um, all right. So I only have one more question, probably the hardest question, given the hard times that we are in. And so the seat that you're in is going to get a little bit hotter, uh, but for good reason. It's really to help everybody listening. So it's no it's no secret that we're all experiencing college and life right now in a very different way with the pandemic. And so when it comes to virtual delivery of instruction or virtual access to programs and services and things like that, students are probably engaging with professors in a very um, different way. It still should be interpersonal, but you just don't have the luxury of face-to-face -face, uh, interaction right now. As students try to navigate this very difficult time that they're in and pick up some skill sets that might be a bit evergreen, like writing and going to the Career Center, there's some benefits to being in a virtual environment. I imagine for those students who might have been a little bit shy doing it in person, doing it virtually could actually work to their benefit. So what advice do you have for students about how to leverage technology, of course, right now during this very difficult time, but in a way that gives them skill sets that they can use post-pandemic? So I... I recognize that being online for education is very complicated for quite a few students. I am one of those types of people who learn best in person. So moving to an online space is difficult for me as a professor, but would have also been difficult for me as a student. And so this is a good question because it speaks to who I am and how I learn. The ways that we can use this moment to, to improve our performance on campus, either in high school or in college or anywhere else really, um, we can make note that our time is allocated very differently now. There's no traveling to and from and the fewer social engagements. So we have a bit more space in our schedule to engage in developmental work. So mm -hmm. outside of our curriculum, these skills that allow us to 
to improve in a personal or professional way. So for instance, students could be thinking about making themselves available for career services, developmental um, programming. So interview prep mm -hmm. or, or how to make a resume or other things that we wanted to do during the school year when we were on campus, but we couldn't do because we were just too busy. Now we're less busy, we have more time for those things. But it also means that we can actually have more discussion with faculty and staff because again, office hours are still happening, it's just happening virtually. So if you were a bit uncomfortable before just showing up um, because you were in a actual room, now you're in a virtual room and it might be a little less intimidating. Um, and then kind of a deviation from this, if being on camera makes you uncomfortable, and for many of us it does because of either our appearance or let's say our background the space that we're in, think about ways that you can make yourself more comfortable. And one of those ways is using a virtual background. So it doesn't have to be distracting, but if you don't like the way the space that you're having to take class and looks to you and you don't want to show that to the world, there's a tool available to you where you can still show up and show up proudly and use your background to communicate who you are and what you love. As long as it's not offending other people in the classroom, it should be well received mm -hmm. and it creates comfort for you. And if you remove that discomfort and everyone's comfortable in class, then the online space is a little bit easier to navigate. So twofold, I guess my answer is. The first is um, think about all the time you have free now that we don't have as many obligations and use that time to pursue developmental opportunities that are offered on campus. And there are a thousand of them every day offered in all the spaces. And then secondly, think about the way that your best felt, where you best feel comfortable in a virtual space and try to create that space for yourself if it requires using a virtual background or a bit of a softening filter, whatever works for you, consider those things. And that should help you get a little closer to your goals in, in this very, very unusual time. Absolutely. Uh this concludes the Ask the Expert section, but I can't wrap it up without saying this achieved everything I had envisioned and more. Thank you for answering all these tough questions. I, I know that listeners will be better prepared just from hearing your advice. So thank you for all of that. Um, I never mentioned the shirt that I'm wearing. So you're representing FAMU. I have on an Algonquin College t-shirt, which is a really lovely campus in Ottawa, Canada. And so I thought I would take a little bit of a diversion and, and uh, reference schools that are not in the U.S. because I think that college-going students, wherever they are, would need to have this type of advice. So I chose this t-shirt on purpose um, because I think the, the gems that you've been dropping here about how to engage with professors could appeal to anybody, anywhere, and any college. So I thank you and owe you a debt of gratitude for all of this free wisdom you are handing out to everybody. So, all right, my final question is the one that I ask everybody. In the beginning, you mentioned why you chose to go to FAMU. Now, think now, six months from now, and imagine you got a chance to put together a backpack for a student who's going to be a first-year student at FAMU uh, sometime very soon. What's something that you would put in that backpack and why? So many answers to that question. So many answers. One person, I'll start there with a very odd backstory. Um, when we graduated high school, my best friend's mother gave everyone a shower caddy, and it seemed ridiculous in the moment to receive this plastic bucket, more or less, with a handle for the shower, but that was maybe the singular most useful gift I have ever received. 
I wore that shower caddy out. <laughs> so maybe I wouldn't give freshmen a shower caddy, but someone should. Um, I probably would would give freshmen um I'd I'd want to give them something that would remind them that there is no, no actual roadmap for college, that there are many ways to succeed. So maybe I'd give them a, a visual depiction of multiple routes to the same, the same goal. Because when I think about the many ways that people get through college, either in four years or three, or in my case, six, four or five mm -hmm. program, and all the detours, I want to, to remind students that the detours make you who you are. And I know between you and I, Amelia, there's some interesting detours, in our <laughs> degrees, but our, our outcomes were amazing. Absolutely. So think about like the, the path. Students often believe that they're, they have to have to follow a strict path to get to a goal. And if they get detoured, they feel as if they failed. And I would want to give them some sort of visual reminder that detours aren't failures, just new paths, and you can always get back to your original goal. Um, I don't know how that would look or how it manifests visually, but that would be my goal. So just remind them that, you know, many ways to the same goal. Don't feel like you have to do it, you don't have to do it one particular way to succeed. There are many ways to get through college and you do, the, you do it the way that works best for you in this moment. And you look back and you realize that you grew in the process. Ronte, I want that backpack. I say that to every single one of these answers. I've asked that question so many times. So I'm going to go cheesy because I just am cheesy and say that I imagine someone listening to this episode and thinking shower caddy and what it is and how they could use it literally in the shower. But I want to do a play on the word caddy. And if someone plays golf, the caddy is the person who's there to help them prepare for each hole of the golf course. And I imagine that this podcast can be like that. And so you are actually the visual reminder that students need. You said you wanted to visual reminder of, of the detours of life and how that can still get you to the end course. And so to have you as a guest on the show, someone who started as an undergrad without really a formal blueprint and to land where you are right now, it is a pleasure. And so thank you for being on the show, for being a caddy virtually for those listening to the show and the visible and audio reminder that students, wherever they're positioned and whatever they're doing, they can actually achieve what they want to do and fulfill their heart's desires. So I don't know if we can say anything more. I think we officially got to close except for me asking you, how can people find you? Let's say somebody listened to the episode and they love everything you had to say. Are you out there online? Are you on the interwebs? You know, can they, can they reach you some way or another? Maybe not everybody, right? Uh, Ronte at the same time, but where can they find you? So my Twitter handles at the U, V as in Villanova, U, buyer, behavior. Okay. U B U Y E R B E H A V I O R. Odd handle, I know, but the class I teach is called Buyer Behavior. And so I like to connect the work I do to, to Twitter that way. Um, alternatively, they can send me an email. My email is Arante, A R O N T E, period, Bennett, B E N N E T T, at Villanova.edu. But make sure they put in the subject line that this came from speaking of college. Okay. Understand who I'm talking to. <laughs> how they found me. 
found me. <laughs> well, Arante, very generous of you to put the actual work email in there. Uh, don't worry about the Twitter handle. Thank you for spelling that. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for people to, to find it that way. But thank you for spelling it all the way out. Arante, this achieved everything I had envisioned for this show and more. Thank you so much for your time. It really was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to be part of this process. I really do believe that students need to know how college works because it seems so daunting and so difficult. And really, many of us are just trying to figure it out along the way. And the more guidance we have, the more information we have available to us, the easier it is. So I thank you for leading this charge and helping students understand that this is something that we can all do. They can do it. They have the ability. And with this podcast and other resources, they will succeed and look up, look back one day and ask college graduates. So thanks. Definitely. All right. That's a wrap. We got to go. Cool beans. It's time to ask Dr. P. Ask Dr. P. Ask Dr. P. Get the S's that you need. Today's question is from Rob from Ohio. Rob writes, Dear Dr. P, I've moved away from home to attend school. How do I cure my homesickness? Rob, thanks for asking a question that I know many other people can relate to. Although I cannot prescribe a cure, I can offer four suggestions that I hope will help you. The first is to pick an exact date for when you will be able to return home. While it's tempting to just say you'll return in a certain month, having a specific date could help you feel more proactive in making your plans. Also, having an exact date will give you the assurance that it will actually happen. Let me add one caveat, though. I'd suggest you not make the date for your return home too soon. For example, if it's only been a few weeks, try giving yourself a little more time to get acclimated to your new college environment first. I think your college may have some things that could help you connect a little more, which brings me to my second suggestion. Consider joining a club or activity based on something that interests you. For example, if your home state is also Ohio, I bet you could connect with other students who are from Ohio and have a really good conversation. And you're not limited to just one club. So if you have other interests, such as the arts or a sport or a hobby, you could connect with other students who share those interests. That way, as you meet new people and make new friends, you might become more comfortable in your college environment. My third suggestion is to start a journal. It's a way to periodically record how you're feeling, some of your plans, and things that are on your mind. After a short period of recording these things, you'll have a way to monitor your progress and a habit that can give you some space to exhale as you keep moving. If this sounds good to you, give it a try. If you'd also like to talk to someone, your college probably offers counseling services that you can take advantage of. My last suggestion is to keep the communication lines open with your loved ones at home. Make time for phone calls, video chats, text messages, or however you most like to stay in touch. It'll help you remember home while you share and embrace all the new things that your college has to offer. I hope these suggestions will help you start to get more comfortable in college. And thank you again for such a really good question. If you're listening to this show and you have a question about college, you can write me at amelia at speakingofcollege.com and I'd be glad to answer and maybe feature your question on a future episode. For now, that brings this episode to a close. I hope today's episode about college professors will spark your interest in getting to know your professors a little bit better. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing, and I'll be back with you in Speaking of College again soon. In the meantime, I hope you have a productive and inspiring day.